listening to Learning Now Radio, bringing you the best news, views and interviews from the team that brings you Learning Now TV. This is Learning Now Radio. On this episode of Learning Now Radio, I am delighted to be joined by Peter Manishriba. He is Senior Learning Manager of Siemens. And uh, perhaps this is a season that I'm developing, actually. I appear to be interviewing people recently that I've had a really good debate with at some sort of event uh, where we've either agreed, disagreed, or they have a particularly controversial um approach to learning and development. I wouldn't say that Peter's necessarily controversial, but he certainly speaks his mind. And I think this interview today is going to be fascinating for anybody working in learning and development now in a management position, making some key strategic decisions about what they want to do in 2018, 2019 and onwards. So Peter, thank you so much for joining us today on Learning Now Radio. Well, what an introduction. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. Well, Peter, I'm going to start by pointing everybody in the direction of a LinkedIn post that you wrote a little while ago, and it's entitled A Not-So-Humble Wish List for 2018 to L&D Providers from an L&D Customer, which sounds a bit like a love letter, Peter, but it's not quite a love (laughs) letter. I wouldn't necessarily describe it like that. But the thing that really resonated for me was the fact that are customers just buying with faith? And on that note, can you kick us off with your thoughts on what sort of research should people in your position in organisations be embarking upon before they make any kind of purchasing decision? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I can definitely try. I mean, that post is a love letter because I I think there's so many vendors out there doing an excellent job, Um, but there's also other vendors who are not really taking this seriously. And I don't think they're trying to do a bad job. I just think that one side is that we as customers are very, you know, we're not good enough at asking the right questions and, and, and actually just um, trying to figure out what's the right solutions for us uh, and especially the, our users. So for me, it's, it's just important that, um, that we face what is going on out there in the companies with the users. And just to be honest with you, I haven't really seen any successful solutions um, in our business, in our business, in our company, yet from a digital learning point of view. We've got a platform uh, that nobody uses, and that's a big statement because obviously people have to use it, and it's for compliance reasons. And we can really put a big question mark um, in there uh, regarding if people are actually learning Nobody in senior management are asking questions if people are actually learning. So it's just a check mark. It's so hollow. Uh, we don't control whether people know the content. And that's all down to security and compliance as well. Um, so for me, we're not really, we're not really distributing learning. We're just distributing something somewhere to, uh, for people to see or to you know, just click through. And then they have a check mark and then they can go work. So for me, that's not really a product. Um, that's not really learning. Um, so I guess that was the that was the you know the starting point for me. And when I look at the the offerings on the market, obviously I don't know every offering. Um, so uh, no one mentioned, no one forgotten here. But but 
for me, there is a gap between what I see at a conference, for instance, like uh, learning technologies on the shop floor where, where we have all these stands and products. There's a gap between what the vendors are offering and what we really need. And they're not to blame for this gap, I guess, because we are asking for something and we are, we are buying stuff like gamified platforms and ecosystems and all that uh, other stuff in the bullshit bingo circle. Um, but we are not really in touch with what the users need out there, what they need to work uh, in order to, to do their work correctly and also to develop as, as people and as employees. So we as customers have that uh, assignment to go out to our users and find out what they need. And then I guess the vendor should be part of that process as well. So what I'm seeing is that we have a gap between the offerings, um, the platforms and the products, the content, the way we distribute the content and then the users every day. Um, and we see that uh, with engagement numbers, I guess, um, in, in different platforms that are rather low. And then we're seeing uh, all sorts of other stuff um, that is not really happening the way the vendors actually promised us. Um, so I guess that's a starting point. Is, is that good enough for you as a starting point? <laughs> oh, I think so. And I'm really interested to dig underneath the concept of, as you put in there, they promise the world, but are, are they building what right. they really need? And for a bit of fun, because I know that you love having a conversation on this, Peter, tell me some of your least favorite features or buzzwords that you've seen you know on the shop floor in the last year or so what are some of the things that really make you rage well uh, yeah <laughs> there is a few um, we'll see if i can think of them all right now probably can't but um but the thing that really gets to me is that um if you call a platform something an engaging platform um, social platform, something that will raise engagement. It is so far away from reality and from what we see as reality in our companies and in, in, in the places we work. And I'm not the only one. I'm, I'm a part of, uh, of many networks that we're always uh, frustrated about our LMS solutions. You know what? You can, you can log in and then you can gamify your way through compliance training and it'll be fun and, you know, interactive and all that stuff. And what happens is, the people, um, they log in and then they start the scorn package. It's still an hour long uh, and it's not really it's not really engaging in any way. It's just something they need to get through because when you're working, you just want to do your work. You don't want to go to a platform far away from your work and then start an e-learning that is in fun and interactive and storytelling and all that stuff. It doesn't make sense for people in their work. Um, so that's one thing. And then the whole ecosystem, um, I've got a good friend, uh, Toby Harris, who's also challenged this word, uh, ecosystem is, is, it's not an ecosystem is if it's within an LMS solution or within one vendor solution, then it's not an e ecosystem. An ecosystem is, is represented in so many different solutions in, you know, in one umbrella. So you can't have the same vendor for an ecosystem, in, at least not in my opinion. So that really gets to me as well. And, and if we're talking the whole the VR, AR stage, uh, it's also really annoying to see that um, companies and vendors are pushing AR and VR solutions, which is not going to make a difference out there, which is just fun and, and, and not interactive and not collaborative in the way that that technology should be used. So there's a few examples of, of what I really, really don't like. Um, we do not need another platform. 
um, in, in companies because it is so obvious that our users do not use platforms. Why do you need to go to an external place to log in, search for content, and then get your content in a bite-sized way? I mean, it's not, it's not making sense for us. It makes sense when you talk to customers as a vendor saying, well, you can get it like this because it's really fancy and then people can chop up their learning and stuff like that. But that's not what our users need. They need performance support, um, real support that will be really fast to get. We're competing against Google, right? People can access information uh, on that platform 24 hours a day and they can get their information snap right there. But when we're talking internal learning, you can't do that. You cannot do that. You can't find your, your assets, your learning assets that quickly. Resources, no, it's not available because we haven't structured it in that way. So that would be a product that we would be interested to see in Siemens at least, would be somewhere where we could structure our internal resources with a search function that actually works. Not another platform to log into a catalog and find videos and all that other stuff, no. We don't need that. And then we need the emotional stuff. We need that thing that would be behavior changing or at least leading towards behavior change, uh, behavioral change. And that is uh, more experience-based things like VR, uh, virtual reality, for instance, if you if you do collaboratively. Um, could also be um, movies and e-learnings and stuff like that if, if it's made correctly. But we don't need it in another platform. So... And we don't need the content to be bite-sized. Everybody knows you can chop up videos um, into different pieces or e-learning into different pieces. It does not make the e-learning better. It does not make the context of the thing better. So, so those would be my, <laughs> I guess, um, you know, for the gamification stuff and the platform and other social platform ecosystem and bite-sized and all that, those would be the kind of buzzwords I would argue against. I mean, we don't need that. Well, there, I agree. Yeah. It's so homogenous. It just it seems that every organization and every need fits into right. a certain definition. I, with the ecosystem piece, just for the benefit of our listeners, I would point you towards a paper and I'll have to see if we can tag this on um, the description for the podcast because off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you what year it was published. But the eLearning Guild published a piece on the learning ecosystem. And it absolutely isn't about trying to find a single solution, a single point of learning solution. It is about how various different, not just technologies, but approaches and strategies form how an organisation operates and actually the emphasis is entirely different depending on the type of organization you work with so you're right for some organizations performance support will be incredibly important if you're a super focused and this even within organizations r&d focused organization then actually performance support may not be what you need but lab environment and places to hypothesis test might be more your bag or if your right. organization is less about products but more about service and engagement with the customer then actually behavioral focused learning may be more important it absolutely has to be and i know that we bang on about this and i know that toby's in agreement with me here it is absolutely about context but again that's another word that's very easily banded about and there's no yeah. <laughs> short you know there's no short-term path to context you just have to put in the time um, from from both sides, and it, and it's fascinating you saying about you know sort of the search functionality. Um, interesting, as you know, for the, the the company that I work for, 
the ability to search transcripts and to bookmark and timestamp pieces so I can go in for performance support is one of the most important things. And you can right. put in all sorts of other you say, you know, attractive features, but actually just getting to the answer that I need is by far the most important thing. And I'm sure that Siemens have a whole wealth of knowledge within that organisation if only people could get at it quickly. It was a reliable, verified source. I can get my answer and move on. Right, exactly. And and it's 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 a great example in our organization is people often ask me um, how I feel about our LMS. We have an ancient LMS, right? It, it contains all of our stuff and it, it works. Um, that's fine. But they ask me, what's the most important piece of e-learning we have? And my answer is always Outlook. And, and obviously that's not a good answer because it's not a piece of e-learning, but the most important platform or place for people to learn in our organization is Outlook because they have all their context and all their content in that same uh, piece of software. So if they have to find something, they can always remember who they got it from or at what time or what was the title of that email where that file was enclosed. And then they get it and then they have that conversation, right? They have, they can send it through or they can get it moved, moved on or they can read it through or, or relive some of it. It's, it's, it's the most important hub, learning hub in our organization is Microsoft Outlook. That is well, the place where people learn and have qualified conversations. Well, and I don't want to plug any one particular system, but what I found fascinating um, now over the last year you, uh, within the organization I work for using Slack is I remember mm -hmm. being responsible when I was um, at France Telecom being responsible for obviously supporting knowledge sharing there. And we were building up our own intranet because there just weren't any systems that we felt were suitable for our needs no matter how you know fancy the erp systems were we decided to go it alone and you start to it's very easy to start to get down that road of features and benefits and to feel as if and this is what happens on the shop for all the conferences well, uh, if that organisation X in our sector, they seem to think that gamification is really important. Are we missing something? And you end up getting kind of caught up with the tide. What I find fascinating with something like Slack is actually, fundamentally, there's not much to it. It's very, very <laughs> simple. You know, when you look at it, you know, if you stand back and look at it, there is not much going on. But it means yeah. I can find whoever I need to find. I can speak to whoever I need to speak to. I can find content on whatever I um, I need to find content on. I can just search for stuff really easily. And when I think back to the kind of functional specs that we were writing for what we needed, it's fascinating now thinking, wow, if we'd paired it right back, how much quicker we would have been implementing something and how much more suitable it would have been for the organisation. Exactly, because it doesn't matter what content goes on there. Yeah, and and that's exactly it. It's it, in the end, it's about you build up in a, in a, something like that, and you're same in your you know in your inbox and Outlook, you're building up a whole story and picture for you. Now there is some right. benefit to say that you know actually connecting with external um, external uh, knowledge and insights, so that we don't get too myopic and we're not just focused on all the, the things that we know that we never change the things that could be changed because we need that different point of view um, right. or bringing in other views that is vitally important but in the end 
it's just got to be close and near at hand. Like you said, it doesn't matter how sexy you think you, you may well have made something. If it takes effort to get there and to get through yeah. the super, you know, sexy U, um, UI that's been built, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. It's not there where you need it. So, so how are you tackling that then, Peter? What are the sort of things that you are focusing on from that perspective in your role at Siemens? Well, what I found out is exactly as you say that the users, they really do not care how they're served, these, how, how these things look and how these things are served to them. It's really important that they can they can get a hold of it quickly. Uh, speed is something that we're really looking into getting information to people in a faster speed than we are getting that done today. So we're looking at different vendors and, and trying out different things um, to try to bridge that gap. Um, one thing is to get people information. The other thing is to upskill people, right? So we're looking at different platforms and, 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 and platforms, not platforms. We're looking at different solutions um, for the social learning aspect of it. Like you say, Slack, we cannot use Slack internally in Siemens due to security reasons. Uh, so we have to use something else. And then we have other things that we need um, in order to be compliant with that our workers can work at site once they get out there. So we need to make sure they have the certificates they need. Uh, so we're, we're tackling that from a different uh, from different aspects. We're, we're, we're trying to, to see if, if Fuse is a solution for us and to see if that social platform can do anything for us. They have a back, you know, a back end with, uh, with uh, booking of rooms and certificate handling and all that stuff for us as well as they have the conversations in there that are so easy. We're not sure that's the right solution, but we're looking into it. We're looking into filter at the moment to see if their AI can do something for us to, to, um, to kind of filter out the, the unnecessary stuff for people and, and find out where are they. According to their skill gaps, the most important thing that we're trying to do right now is data. And I think that hype is also something we've been <laughs> experiencing a lot for the last couple of years with big data and how should we handle that whole discussion within learning. I'm not too concerned if it's uh, big data or small data or great data or whatever we call it, but we need to be better at certifying our employees based on data. So we need to find out how good are people at different things. We need to find out not only by asking them, but actually measuring them measuring whether people live up to the things that we need to uh, they need to live up to not only on a kpi basis also on an observant basis so we go out and observe people but that we are better at constructing and handling data around our learning is probably the most important thing right now because that will give us answers to whether we need to implement learning in the first place and i think kathy moore is onto something when when she asks is training actually necessary in this case training and learning because it's always the answer once you find something in the organization not working then we go to training and learning as the answer um, but there we need to be better at looking at the data to find out if it's actually uh, learning we need is it skill gaps would like will that close something here and are we seeing an, an impact on the other side of our learning activities that's the most important things right now and I think data um, unfortunately gets a little bit of a bad rap a because you can get kind of caught in the is it another buzzword is big data another buzzword and yeah. look just take the big off the front let's talk about data 
And let's talk about mm-hmm. how we can verify whether or not we have the capability to maintain our position in the market or improve on it or whatever the metric may well be. It's not rocket science, but it is more focused. And we've had lots of conversations on here, Peter, about this, about more focused about what's really important to measure in an organisation, not just what's perhaps important to look to the learning profession to measure. Mm -hmm. But for example, you know, a huge amount of work that I do with my clients is on measuring technical capability. And that's because it's really expensive to get really good technical capability. You need to be supporting the people that you have already and need to be able to benchmark to know that you can keep up. It's not rocket science, but it's really, really important. But once you start to have a conversation on data, again, that can either get you, you, people can either get scared off or again, like you said, it's another, oh, we need another very complex solution to um, address that. And often it isn't, it isn't about complexity at all. It's ha- about having the right measures in place. And the, the arena that I work in, in some ways I have the luxury of because it's technology, we're able to benchmark technology skills against the market because there are ways in which you can question people that really get to the heart of whether they know their technology or not. It gets more complicated, of course, when you're talking about soft skills, etc. But like you said, otherwise, how does your board make decisions about investments that they make? about you know, right. migration technology migration they make, about whether they should move into that market and launch that product. That's the capability of your people will tell you so much about that. And uh, I find it fascinating that that seems to sometimes be a, be a problem. And I, how, what's the sort of perception in Siemens of that? What sort of conversations are you able to have in your role then, Peter, that kind of enable you to do that and have that conversation comfortably? Because I'm not sure that everybody in L&D feel that they can. No, and I, I totally understand that actually. And and some in L and D, I had a, a good talk with a with a good person, uh, Dan Tesniak from from Degreed on this, and 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 he he told me that he he was not sure that this was actually the the role of L and D to to impact measure to measure impact on on the activities. Um, and and I'm not sure I agree. And and maybe he'll call me after this just to say that wasn't what I said, but but um, that's what I heard anyway. But but for me, it's important. Two things are important. Um, that all of our learning activities, they support um, whether we make better turbines, better wind turn- turbines, or that we keep the costs down, right? We, we, or we create more turnover. So we have to measure whether our learning activities support those things. It, we can never, ever measure correctly if one learning activity actually meant that we sold uh, more turbines or we made the, the product better, whatever. We cannot... We cannot make a, a direct measurement that would prove that. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I don't think that that is what we need to do. But we need to find out if our learning activities are supporting the, um, the strategies and supporting um, our business um, down to the numbers. We need to, we need to find out whether we can validate our existence here. And we can do that uh, by, by doing many things. We can obviously improve the quality of our training. But we can also uh, measure whether people are more capable once they go out of the classroom or out of that e-learning. We have to measure that better. Um, and you can do that depending on different roles, right? If they're in sales, it's easy. But if, if they're in production, you can you can measure other things. Or if you're an HR employee, you can also. There's always measurements that would be related to those trainings because otherwise, why would you do the trainings? Um, so I guess we have to be better to connect that picture 
getting those, and I hate that word KPI because it's it's also got a bad rap, I guess, in learning. But we need to find out what are those indicators where we can measure whether people improved or not and whether that improvement actually meant something for the business. Those are the questions we have to ask. And once I go to management here, um, I have their ears because they also, they're also interested in validating, especially in HR and, and our learning department, our existence and the things we do. We want to, as L&D department, go out into the organization and say, we actually make a difference. We're not just here um, to make your lives uh, better or more miserable with all the e-learning and learning activities. We are actually doing this. um, There's a sense in all this, right? We're doing this to improve you on these things so that you can go out and improve the business like this. We have to be able to finish that sentence. And I think the one other piece that was really fascinating was something that you said earlier is to do that just as you've just described there there is an outcome that we may expect and we will be part of a range of measures that will improve the performance of the organization we're not the only ones responsible for that but you mentioned earlier about some things that you are researching and that you're trying out and that really um, encouraged me. It was really positive to hear that because it sounds as if within your organization, you have been given a license to test some things out, to test a hypothesis, yes. to suggest that this solution may help us solve this problem. But we're not sure, but we're going to try it out. And again, what do you think creates the environment where you have the permission to try stuff out? Because that is also a big barrier. Yeah, that is a really, really good question because obviously that also depends on the company strategies and what the company wants to do. And from our perspective, it is how we divide the budget, right? So we've allocated some budget to doing this um, and then business cases, business cases, business cases, business cases. That is the only thing that people in management positions, um, yeah, want to want to take in and, and actually act upon. So you need one skill as you need more skills, obviously, but there's one skill that's very important as an L&D employee. If you want to go out and try things, you need to be good at collecting business cases. Um, the funny thing about business cases is if you can come in and make a reasonable business case around doing a proof of concept or a pilot on some uh, something you want to try out on in a context, you go out, go in, you will uh, present the business case and people will be nodding and saying, that sounds great. Yeah, we can do that. And then rarely, and this is fascinating, people ask very few questions on the other side of the POC. <laughs> Obviously, you want to you know, test your hypothesis and find out, did this work? But the customer, the internal customer who's part of this project, they rarely ask you questions. They just want to upfront be sure that you're actually, you know what you're doing, right? So we have to get better at that internally as well, obviously. But the thing is, you need, and to answer your question, it is about a business case. So go out, find some numbers. Where can you save some money? Where can you potentially save money or make more turnover or benefit for the company? You need to make it measurable for people. That's the only way, in our business at least. And I think that brings it right back round to our original question of what sort of research should L&D do before they embark on the purchasing process. If you have a good business case there, then there is no way that you are going to be at the mercy of a list of features and benefits of any supplier. 
that you, you, every supplier has to then intimately understand that business case and be honest where they stop and where they start, because that is the only future of a long term engagement with a customer. And I think it protects you against a lot of those buzzwords, a lot of those, as you said, features that just aren't necessary that don't actually solve a problem. Um, so I think that business case advice is absolutely superb, Peter. And I think that's something that people can really take away from today. Um, so Peter, I, thank you so much for your time. It's been incredibly valuable. I know there are lots of people in a role like yours that will be really encouraged by the work that you're doing and the thought you're putting into this. Um, is there anywhere else they can find you or anything that you'd like to kind of point them towards? Well, um, yeah, there's a few things that I would look into. Uh, there's a guy called um, uh, David Chandras, and he is a PhD in America somewhere, and he is trying to guide us through as learning people through the the, the bullshit jungle. He's a neuroscientist, which is all, neuroscience is always also a, a buzzword in this <laughs> in this industry. But he's really trying to cut the bullshit, and he's he's making some great posts. I would definitely look into those. Um, those, uh, if I were you, and then uh, yeah, you can always if you want to connect on LinkedIn, uh, you can always find me there, and you're always welcome to uh, to link up, and then we can we can have conversations. Definitely, fantastic. Well, Peter, thank you so much for your time, and thank you so much for joining us on Learning Now Radio. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Learning Now Radio, all the best news, reviews, and interviews. Well, that's all we have for this episode. I hope you found some useful takeaways to jot down and use back at work. And please remember to share Learning Now Radio with your work colleagues, your Twitter followers, and of course, your Facebook friends. So once again, thank you so much for listening to Learning Now Radio. Please help us to spread the word by subscribing and rating us on iTunes. And Lisa and I look forward to you joining us in two weeks' time.